Battleline Podcast. Really excited to be back in studio this episode with my good friend Jaden Panesso, although I haven't seen him in a while um, because of the fact that no one is in New York and, and just two weeks in a row I've, I've been able to do this, you know, um, last week with Dave Park, this week with Jaden. But before we get into everything, and, uh, and I should let you guys know, Chris is not here because he is doing a tactical course in Paisley, Florida with our friend Rich Graham. But nonetheless, um, it's an exciting show. So don't, don't tune it off just because it's me. Uh, we get into some really exciting things. And if you're a fan of hard rock, heavy metal, I promise you'll be into this. But before we do, uh, Fort Scott Munitions, you hear me talk about every show. They are a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammo was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. And it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitive Competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online. And I can tell you right now, with Chris being in Florida, um, with our friends at Full Spectrum Warrior, our friend Rich Graham, Navy SEAL, he's out there teaching people and shooting with Fort Scott. So they're the best. Don't take it from me. Take it from him because no one knows this, uh, you know, ammo better than Chris, really. So FortScottMunitions.com, F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T. M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S dot com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. That's only available to listeners of the podcast. FortScottMunitions.com. Promo code BATTLELINE. You're going to get 15% off everything. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE Podcast. Let's go. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. By the way, I, and, and I'll use this, but I actually like the fact that we didn't even get to talk because sometimes, like, you you have, like, a yeah, good conversation all, out all there. Out of the way exactly. The right, yeah. So let's get right into it. The Switch is on, Battleline Podcast, and actually, I, I do all this in post, so you're not even hearing it, but I've already decided I'm going to have Golden Retreat playing under us right Golden now. Golden Retreat, all right. Even though that's old, but nah, I, I cool, love man, that whatever. track. Works with me. So, uh, 
for the audience, Jaden Panesso from Siler on Ami and Scotto. Chris is teaching a course right now in Paisley, Florida. Uh, he said the roads were like insane because, as you know, people are getting hit with snow that never get hit with snow. Yeah. So there's like no equipment out there on the roads, but he, he is alive apparently and well. That's good. <laughs> um, so this is an interesting time to talk with you because, for one, we were talking very briefly before we got in here. I haven't seen you in like five years, but I was thinking to myself, this is really the 10-year anniversary of Siler as a band. And I also think – and you can correct me if I'm wrong on here – I feel like 2020 is the first year that we haven't really heard anything. I feel like from 2011 on, you guys were constantly touring, constantly putting yeah. out music, and it's been sort of, I would say, dead for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for for your fans and, and for the audience, like, what's been going on? What's going on in Dude, we're honestly, um, I guess, I'm sure we're not the only ones, but COVID hitting was kind of like a, a blessing in disguise because – we had finally hit a point where we really needed a break and we needed like some space and time to try to figure out what we were going to do next. So when 2020 started, we kind of had just, we had just gotten off tour. We were actually on tour with Attila as well in Europe. And we had just gotten back uh, at the end of 2019 and, uh, 2020 started and we were like okay, this is, uh, this is the time where we just take a break, take some time. And, we were kind of, I mean, I was kind of worried. I didn't want to be left behind the entire time while everyone else was doing something. So it kind of worked in our favor that everyone sort of stopped at the same time. And uh, so we've just been taking this year to honestly just take a break mentally, take a break from the chaos, dude. Because like from the moment we started, we haven't stopped. We've been touring. We've, I mean, we've done all sorts of shows. You've been to the small shows, yeah. the big shows, all that. So <laughs> from, I've been, to, I was at the first ever Siler show. Jersey? probably get into, yeah, remember I drove with you oh guys. Oh my God, yeah, dude. <laughs> That's it's, wild. It's been so, I was, like, I mean, I met you before you guys even had a release out. You had, You've seen the journey. It, well, it's been interesting because I was thinking about this too. You were really like the last of what we'd call like the MySpace bands. You were the last band that I remember like that I could even think of that handed me a flyer and said, yep. check out our track on MySpace. And it was uh, Exposure. Exposure, and yeah. First of all, like I connected with you guys on a personal level. I remember like meeting you at Starland and then years later seeing you play Starland uh, in New Jersey for mm -hmm. the audience out there. But then hearing the music, I was like, I was, I was sold. And you've gone through like different changes, all these different releases since. But yeah, it has been a total journey, man. But you guys, I would also say, relatively blew up pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you can say that. In a, I guess for me, it feels a little longer because I was there from like when you're when you're in it and you're doing it, you remember every second and minute of the way, every phone call, every email. So for me, I wouldn't say it was too fast, but I guess when you compare it to like other bands, yeah, it happened. I mean, it happened pretty fast. I mean, we 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 went we went super hard, you know, and uh, things just started popping up, and we just I can honestly say we took advantage of every single opportunity that was thrown our way like every single one we just grabbed it and ran with it you know it was a hundred percent so yeah i think a lot of it was you like whether it was uh your intent or not you were like a master networker you know like i because <laughs> i well i feel like i'm not the type of person personally who goes to like networking events to meet people and but sometimes it just naturally happens it's yeah. just the whole like real recognize real type thing that you met all these other dudes and bands that were like far bigger at the time and they connected with you and i think that that helped a lot at least from what i saw no for sure i mean i was dude it's funny i always tell the story of how like i even landed in a position to be like working for a band like mirror or like touring with the big dogs before doing my band and 
a big part of that, I mean, I met those people through partying, you know, just like partying, smoking weed, whatever, have, like having beers with people. And that just kind of one thing led to the other. Next thing I know, I have a position working for a band. And when that happened, like I was very committed to my job and working for the band, making sure everything was going straight. But at the same time, I was just like, dude, not everyone gets a chance like this to be in a world where I can like honestly meet my idols even or just like people of like uh, a higher tier. So when I saw myself in a position where I was working for this band, I was just like, dude, I have to go out there and like make this count, not just work and make money because I was making money. And I mean, like I was making more money working for a mirror than I was with my band for the first couple years you know what i mean but and you were um, doing like merch for the audience yeah. Yeah, yeah i was i was selling merch and uh you know i just took that chance and i went out and started networking i mean like uh you mentioned the whole myspace thing and flyers like when i went on my first tour the first thing i did is i went to a local shop with uh our old drummer thomas and uh we printed a bunch of flyers and i would stand after every show on tour and i would stand outside and like hand out flyers, hand out flyers. I would have flyers on the merch table and stuff. And I was just letting people know that, I don't know, this is not trying to downplay like merch people, but to me it was just like, no, like I have something bigger yeah. in my mind and something bigger going on in this. So like I basically threw it in front of everyone's faces at all times. I was just like, hey, this is what I do. I'm a singer in a band. Some people took me seriously. Some people didn't. That's cool. I get it. But uh, yeah, I took that chance and I ran with it. I, well, you, I was networking big time. Yeah, I feel like in life, you do have to take those chances. Like, you have no, to. no one's going to tell you that this is your time to like promote yourself. Right. I, I just think of when I worked at Sirius XM and I recorded show like this is kind of how I met people like Chris like I recorded shows on the weekend and people who work there would be like wait you're allowed to come here on the weekend and use the studios I'm like I'm not fucking asking anybody I'm just gonna do it right like you don't good, ask good. permission yeah, for that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. but I feel that's you have to be that guy dude it's and like you can't just wait around for an opportunity I always the people might find this a little corny but I always think of like eight mile and like the soundtrack yeah. to that movie and it's like you only get one chance now <laughs> you know what I mean like that always played in the back of my head and I'm just like, dude, I'm here because before I even got this job, dude, like I was, I mean, I still am, but I was such a big fan of, of the music scene and metal and like, you know, the bands that I liked, I knew all the members by name and I knew all their songs. I, I knew everything. So I'm the same way. Like I, you're people, there are people who just listen to this stuff or they're like a true nerd. Yeah. For the music. Oh, dude, I, I was a full fanboy. So to me, uh, you know, even just going to shows before I got this chance, uh, you know, I would just watch from the crowd and I would just watch people going backstage and, you know, people being in this world. And to me, I was just starstruck by it, you know, and I'm and in my head, I'm just like, dude, I, I need to do this. Like, I, I got to, like, find a way to get in there. So when I finally did, even though it wasn't directly through my band at first, I saw that opportunity and I ran with it. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm already here. I'm in. Like, I'm in. You know, I'm in. I'm on a tour bus touring with one of my favorite bands and I'm meeting all these people that I know about. Like, I have to take this opportunity and run with it. And it worked. It worked. It, it, it's crazy when I think about it. You know, I talk about it with my band constantly, and I'm just like, uh, you know, with my boy Thomas, who I started this band with. Like, we were like pinky in the brain, dude. We would sit, <laughs> you, you know, we would sit on the phone and like make all these plans, and you know, and like, yeah, just plan these things out, and like everything we wanted to do, and like the way we planned everything worked out exactly like we wanted it to. And it's it's crazy. I don't think a lot of people can say that. You know what I mean? And uh, it was also at a time where social media was different, so. You know, I was on tour with people. I was showing them music. They would fuck with me personally. And then I would ask for something as simple as like, hey, can you like shout us out on Facebook or something? And at the time, like if we were going to get a, a shout out by a band, we would get like 
900, 1,500 likes immediately. That's not a thing anymore. Yeah. You know, like, people can pay for those things now. People can get shouted out by anyone. And it, I mean, yeah, this is pre cameo, like pre, pre anything. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, damn, maybe I should have thought of cameo or right? something <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, man, I was taking those opportunities and I was just, you know, asking for favors in a sense, but not really. And, you know, these little things mattered, you know, little things like, uh, you know, I already met bands on tour. So months later when they would come by and they would play Gramercy or Irving, I would show up with Silent Merge and I'd be like, dude, how, how would you feel about like rocking the shirt tonight? And, you know, they'd be like, fuck yeah, why not? And then next thing you know, it's like the next morning on Monday morning or Sunday if the show was Saturday, you know, there would be a bunch of posts on Facebook of like people from New York being like, damn, this band was wearing a Silent shirt. Damn, look who, yep. you know what I mean? And like, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, that just created hype because at the time, so I really sat back and I analyzed the local scene. And at the time, you know, production wasn't as advanced as it is now. Uh, things were just not as advanced overall. So I paid attention to that and I'm just like, I noticed the way bands were doing it at the time. So the pattern that I noticed was that bands were starting, you know, their Facebook, putting their band together or whatever. And then they would just uh, release what any content, any sort of like quality recording that they could afford. And then their plan was like, hey, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll release a demo that sounds whatever. And then with time, we'll, as we make money playing shows, we'll save up and then, you know, release a yeah. better demo later on. I see the same thing with this. With I podcast, saw that, yeah. though. And I was just like, no, no, no. We're going to reverse that. We're going to do it differently. So, no, I, and I, just the, the release of that one song, Exposure, it was yeah. like a big campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that was all planned. You know, I mean, I think, I mean, dude, I was so young. We were so young and we were just I think like, Thomas was like 17. Thomas was 17. Yeah. I was, uh, I was barely 20. And, uh, you know, our plan was just like, all right, dude, let's grab the local, uh, the local scene by its horns and like ride it. You know what I mean? And, uh, that's what we did. We were just like, all right, before we release our band, we, before we release the name Siler out there, let's make sure when we come out, we have everything ready. So we had promos, we had album art, we had, just a full package so i just remember the day we dropped that song on facebook like the local scene was just like what the fuck who is this like what's going on the recording was top notch i mean dude i was working at hot topic making minimum wage like making no at the time it was just like i would get a paycheck every two weeks and it was less than two hundred dollars but to me at the time that was a lot of money that was my time that was being contributed into this so uh yeah, dude, we took every dollar out of that and we spent thousands of dollars to get like, you know, legit recordings, legit photos, you know, top notch. And I can honestly say that did it from the get, you know, people immediately started paying attention and uh, we started getting on shows in the city and all of a sudden we were like higher on the bill and stuff. And people yep. were like, dude, why the fuck is this band higher on the bill? They haven't put in any work. But in my opinion, a lot of times you got to uh, work smarter than harder. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what we were doing. We were like, all right, let's, like I said, we just really paid attention to what was going on. We just did it differently and it worked. I don't think if we had that approach right now, it would work as well. But at the time it did, you know, nowadays, like you can go into someone's bedroom and create a crazy sounding, uh, recording and, you know, release it and it sounds good. At the time we couldn't do that. We had to like pay money and just plan everything out. And that strategy worked, man. It's crazy. It's crazy when I think about it. Yeah. Everything just uh, changes, I think, with times, and you have to adapt to the time. Yeah. You can't just be like, this era sucks. Because there were probably people in your era, because I've even heard older bands that I know and older artists I know talk about, you know, when you got a record deal, it was everything. There were only so many record labels at one time. Now, you know, and that all changed. And there are people who hated on the MySpace era, and there are people hating on this era now. And you could either complain or you can kind of adapt. It's yep. like anything. Like, 
even with what's going on right now, the fact that I'm in studio with you, I've been doing so few of these because no one is is around, at least where we are in New York right now. The streets are dead. It's the craziest thing. It's like so this weird. dystopian world. Um, but I, I just I, I've had to adapt when I can be in studio with someone like you. I love to do it. But I'm not going to complain that everything is remote now. I do think it kind of sucks. I do prefer being like one on one the way we are now. Yeah. But I realize, like, especially Chris is in Omaha. This is how we're going to have to do it, and we've made it work. You got to work with it, yeah. for sure. I mean, that's something I've had to adapt to through uh, throughout the years. You know, I mean, there's certain things, there's certain platforms and stuff that when they like when TikTok came out, I'm just like, oh god, this is so corny, and I was being such like a boomer about it. And uh, <laughs> I think I still am a boomer. About it. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, you have to really take into consideration how things move forward and you have to move with those things. So that's even something I'm still adapting to, you know? So, like, I agree. You have to go with the times, whatever the situation might be. If you want to get things done, like, you got to do it or someone else is going to do it for you. That's just – or before you, rather. You know yeah. what I mean? So you definitely have to go with the times with – especially with everything that's going on. It's, it's yeah, crazy. Well, so right now is the hardest time to adapt as a band because I feel like the business model for a while in music has been – all right, no one is really buying CDs. No one is buying albums. I still do, but you know, you know, awesome. relatively, you. of course. But yeah, relatively speaking, no one is. So the whole model has been like, well, you barely make money on Spotify. Like I always think of Phil Avanti saying, I remember he tweeted it out because he's been on the show, but he said, uh, like, I make enough money through Spotify to buy a Spotify premium account, like barely. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's barely anything. And I think people don't realize that. But the business model was like, hey, well, you can go out on tour, you could sell merch, and now that's all gone. So it's like, oh, how do you make money as a band? I know there's people doing live streams and all that, but I feel like that's that works for some bands. It doesn't work for others. What you do is extremely, like, it's touching and yeah, yeah it's it's live you're, like you're out in the crowd it is not the type it's not a show where you sit down on a chair and yeah watch exactly. that and that's not what you guys do so i feel like for some bands a live stream wouldn't even work i don't think you've done any but no we're actually talking about doing one actually but it's one of those things where like we're playing a live stream but we're not planning the live stream thinking about money it's more like something for the fans because we've been so quiet and whatnot but um it just I don't I don't know. I don't think it works. I honestly think uh in the world right now with all the industries, like our industry is getting fucked the hardest. Yeah. Hands down. Because, you know, there's a lot of times where I go down to rabbit hole and I start watching shows or I go on YouTube and search our live shows and I'll just like see us playing on stage and then I'll just see like hundreds of people pushing each other and like breathing on each other and I'm just like Damn, dude, I, I, I can't even imagine when people are going to be, like, actually comfortable doing something like that again. It's kind of scary to think about, you know? So, like, as far as making money for bands, it's it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's a really weird time, especially with metal. Like, metal's a genre where it really translates a lot better live. Yeah. And we can't get that, you know what I mean? It's not like a... It's not like most mainstream music now where, you, you know, a lot of it you could just enjoy in your car. And for most people, that's as far as it gets, you know? With bands, you have to be on the road constantly. You have to constantly be pushing your music. And people listening to this music and really want to see it live. They want to go push someone or, <laughs> I don't know, whatever it is you want yeah. to be live. So it's, it's a weird time. And it's, it's hard. It's hard for sure. It's been like mentally just hard to think of throughout this whole year. You know, It's been really weird. 
Yeah, the whole thing is is kind of a mind fuck because I've even been thinking about I, I remember early on in the pandemic, I kept having dreams about the last show and actually was thinking about it before I would go to sleep. The last show I the last arena show I saw was Aerosmith and it was like unbelievable. Nice. Dude, it was amazing because I, I remember actually I, I was buying tickets with my friend and we got tickets way in the back on StubHub. And then all of a sudden you probably know this with the like the arena shows all of a sudden these seats like right up front were going for less so they were getting rid of it the last minute I'm like, yeah, Dude, yeah. I'm selling these i'm getting these and then i got to the show and they moved us up even further than we were supposed to be lucky you which i don't know how it all worked out i don't know if they just didn't sell those but i'm like literally as close to steven tyler as we are right now and it was amazing and i don't know when we'll ever get back to that and then like the last i don't know the last show you the last show i saw I went to Mohegan Sun and saw uh, Starship, as in, like, we built this city on rock and roll. Like, total old-time act, but it was so much fun. And, I, yeah, whether it's club shows or arena shows, like, I, I want to get back to that so badly, man. I, I really miss it, and I think people need it. But for sure, how are we going to do it safely? I don't know. I I don't know. It's going it, to, you know, it's going to be a while. I have conversations with people all the time, and, you know, people do believe that once shows, uh, you know, come back on, people say they're all going to sell out because people are going to want to go, but... I hate to be pessimistic about it, but I just don't feel like that's going to be the case. I feel like for our families, at least, like we still have a lot of fans who are younger and need their parents' permission to go to a show. They still get dropped off by their parents at the venue to, uh, you know, to attend the show. So I just feel like even if someone does want to go, their parents might be like, "No, it's not safe yet." And there's going to be all these buts that come up in the conversation. So I don't know, man. I, I do feel like it's going to be a while. I've kind of already accepted that, you know, it's just weird to uh, spend the last 10 years doing something and then it just still kind of stops and it just switches up on you. And it's just wild because the very last show we played as a band was in December. I think it was like December 21st, 22nd, and it was in Portugal. Oh, wow. I didn't know you played Portugal. Yeah, we played in Portugal last year and um, it was a great show. But I think about that all the time. I'm just like, shit, man, I had no idea that was going to be like our last show for God knows how long, like no idea. I mean, I still, we still rocked it. We rock yeah. every show. Like it's our last essentially, but we didn't really think it was maybe like to last for a while, you know? So I think of that show all the time. Um, the last show I went to was when a uh, bear tooth and motionless and white played out here at Webster hall. And I actually did a feature with bear tooth on stage that night. And That's like, sick. it was sick, but again, I had no idea shit was going downhill like this. So, I still think about it, but I mean, I also try to remain positive and yeah, you have stay to. busy and, you know, music's everything to me. So I'm always involved with the music as it is. So, and, and there's still bands putting out really great music. Like this yeah. past year, there's been some really awesome stuff. Like in your genre, that band era, they yeah, put yeah, out era, some era. really great stuff. Those are homies. Shout out to them. Oh, re- okay. Yeah. I, I got into them late and I really like them, man. Volumes is putting out sick stuff, um, which I thought, you know, I didn't know if it would be good with the whole lineup change, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they've been putting out some killer stuff. Um, and then like, you know, more mainstream. I love like the, the last Marilyn Manson release, regardless of all the other shit going on with them. Like, yeah, musically, I, I, I kind of heard. I'm just like. You have to separate it at some point. I, I, I do, and I get shit for it a lot of times. You know, I mean, my my favorite artist ever is Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. So I love I've been, Michael Jackson. I've been getting this shit my whole life. Where it's just <laughs> like, oh, dude, you support blah, 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 pedophilia. You have a daughter. What's wrong with you? And it's just like, dude, obviously I don't support pedophilia. Like, get the fuck out of here. But like – you have to kind of separate those things, you know. If it's if you're in love with the music and the art, it's like 
I mean, some people can't, but I, 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 I personally could if like if, if it's something I really like, I'm able to kind of separate the rumors, especially if they're not like fully true. You don't know if they're real yeah. or not. A lot of times they're not. So I feel like you got to try to separate it if you really if you really love the content. At least that's where I'm at with it. So like I with the Marilyn Manson thing, I saw it. I'm just like, fuck, dude, this sucks. I'm just not going to keep reading into it. And I'll just I don't know. Let's wait to see what we hear down the line. But like I said, I've been getting it with like. Michael Jackson for years, another artist that I like. Oh, I, I, like I said, I love MJ, man. And, and like his music has gotten me through very hard times. Same. I swear to you, and I know I've mentioned to Chris, I, I may have said it on the show, but probably at like the lowest point in my life where I felt like I didn't want to be here, I swear to you, I was walking around here, coming back from work because I was working at Sirius at the time, and outside of that huge Macy's because I'm walking towards Penn Station, some guy, I think it was on a saxophone, was playing You Are Not Alone. By Michael Jackson, mm. you know, and and coincidentally written by R. Kelly, two guys who are not like right. the most celebrated for obvious reasons. But I remember hearing that song like the message resonated with me. It's not like I felt great all over again, but I remember that being a turning point that like you are not alone. You need to Dude, that's awesome. reach out to your friends, reach out to people um, and like I can't separate. You have to separate that, I should say. Because if the music has gotten you through, that doesn't all just get thrown away because the person is, even if they are like a garbage human being, they still made something that impacted your life. I agree. It's always better if the per- if you meet the person and they're awesome. I mean, a lot of the, the bands that I've met, especially when I worked at Sirius, turned out to be like super cool people. That's always a better feeling than if the people suck. Way better but, feeling. I've had yeah. both. And obviously, if they're cool, that's a way better feeling. Because I've also – it's all right. So like in that sense – it's one thing to hear rumors and then there's another thing where you really like someone and you finally meet them like let's say a back like i've met a dude honestly like i'm blessed i've met so many of my idols and like people that i idolized my entire life and um you know i've gotten to go on tour with them play shows and all of that and for the most part i've had great experiences for the most part but i've also had a few that are just kind of like uh, yeah and that sucks are you, you able had, to say any of them or are you nah, gonna keep it? <laughs> i prefer not to but uh yeah this just and in general, just you know what you what you see usually, it's not really how people are. Yeah, you no, know of what course. I'm saying. It's, it's so like social media, all that. Social media, all of that. Yeah. You, so. you know, it's one of my the funniest I thought because they were almost like priming me for this guy to be a dick, and he wasn't at all. Was when I worked at Sirius, uh, I got to. They were like, "Hey, can you board up Dave Navarro?" This was when there was the first season of uh, Ink Master. And I was like, "Dude, I love Dave Navarro." And they said to me, they were like, look, just do not – I said, can I get a picture of them? Like after, And they were like, look, just do not mention Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like he's very sensitive <laughs> about this. Don't bring it up. And I'm like, cool. All right. I'll just get a picture. Um, and I just said, to, hey, man, I'm a huge fan. You were actually the first concert I ever saw. And he goes, cool. Which concert? Which was Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I'm not going to say it that – I'm not going to lie. I, yeah, I was yeah. like – Red Hot Chili Peppers, NASA Coliseum. He goes, dude, I remember that show. It, it was like snowed out and it was exactly what happened. He was like, I didn't think we were going to make it to the venue. The The weather was insane, but somehow we managed to make it happen. I'm like, yes, so I can't believe you remember this specific show from like the mid 90s. Awesome. And I got a picture and he looked at the picture. He's like, we look handsome, bro. Couldn't have been cooler. That's and awesome. I was like, this is definitely a publicist being way too protective that like, if you mention this, he's going to flip out when clearly he didn't give a shit. You know, I, awesome. I know he's not into the band anymore, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've had very few. 
I'll tell you one that like weren't the coolest. Please, it wasn't like a horrible experience. <clears throat> but but uh, remember that band Cobra Starship? Yes, they were very um, full of themselves. I'll okay, say. it was it was at the height. There's a was couple my, of them out there. Yeah, yeah, it was my first radio gig doing Fangoria Radio, and so this was at the height of Snakes on a Plane, like the movie, the song, and they were they very much look, thought they were the shit. You could tell, man. I remember one of the people who worked with me had a Led Zeppelin shirt on, and they were like, "Yeah, I used to listen to them." I'm like. <laughs> used to listen to like, like dude you guys have like one hit right now they went they went off to be like really big but for the most part it's true most of the people i've met could not be cooler um and i know like chris like when he met the people doing 13 hours meeting like michael bay super cool um people i've met people who turned out to be horrible that was super cool to me like when i board opt uh harvey weinstein believe it or not couldn't have been a cooler guy hey man there <laughs> it is know, like it is what it is or you caught him on a good day you know people have good and bad days too that's what people have to realize especially like um i don't know especially for musicians like sometimes you go on the road forever dude like i've i've had times where i was on the road for like four or five months straight and like you have your good and your bad days i mean i i, I always try my best to like not uh, transfer that energy over if I was having yeah. a bad day, but like not everyone can handle things like that, you know. And I think people have to sometimes be conscious of that. Do you think it's possible you were ever like a dick to a fan and didn't? Mean um, to was it possible? <laughs> Anything is possible. So like, if I was, I'm sorry because I'm not. I'm not a dick as it is. No, no. but um, yeah, every, everyone has their days, man. You know, like especially. I mean, I've dude, I've had, I've had wild shows where I'm going on stage and I'm performing and like. Five minutes before that, I was on a crazy phone call, like whether it was an argument or a sad phone call or something crazy happening in my life. And like people don't know that. Or if you have like a meet and greet scheduled or something, like a lot of shit could be going on. And I guess it does come down to the artist. It's on you to handle that situation with your best judgment. You know, I never wanted to like give our fans like a bad vibe or bad energy. So I've always tried to like fight those feelings that even if i was having a bad day i would try my hardest to like not transfer that energy like i said so and I, I think i've done pretty well in, in that aspect i yeah. think i could imagine it just from knowing you but i could also see the other side like i remember uh reading a few years back tommy lee wrote this whole thing that i i understood he said that he was at some store to pick up flowers for like his mother's funeral and some guy working there was like bro can i take a picture with you and he was like this is the last thing i want to do right now like i don't want to take a picture with you and he wrote a whole thing out about it. And he said, like, people will say to me, like, oh, well, I bought your music. I've gone to your shows. Like, you owe this to me. And he's like, no, I really don't. Like, I owed putting out good music that you enjoyed, whatever. But, like, that's it. I don't owe it to you to take a picture. I, I don't owe it to sign anything. And I sort of see that as well. Right. I mean, in a situation like that, geez, like, yeah, if your mom passed, like, you got to understand that, dude. The people are human. It doesn't matter what what your status or tier is as far as music, movies, whatever it is. Like, people are humans, man. And, like, sometimes you're just having a bad day or a terrible day in his scenario, you know? Yeah. So, it you also, have to understand that. It also probably has to do with the level of fame because, like, yeah, you've experienced a certain level with your band. But when you're – like, did you see that recent Britney Spears documentary – it's that, that's so funny. Uh, I started watching it with my girlfriend recently, okay. and then I just uh, I wasn't really interested. But oh, okay. I, I loved but it. Did you? I really did because I just when you're at that level of fame where you cannot do anything without 10 million cameras in front of your face. Yeah, and yeah. And then they go, she went crazy. Well, did she really go crazy? You would have, dude. That's crazy. So we started watching it, and I kind of just got on my phone and I was like checking my stocks and whatnot. And she, she, <laughs> she got upset. Like, are you gonna watch this with me or not? I'm just kind of like, uh, I'm not. I'm not interested. But uh, a couple days after when I saw her 
again. She told me about that. And uh, she told me about the time where she had to break down and shaved her head and the whole thing with like, I think she hit a paparazzi with an umbrella or yeah. something. Uh, yeah. She told me about that whole scenario. And it's like, dude, fuck. Like, I, I get it. Anyone would have gone crazy. I mean, I don't know what that level of fame is. I know what the level of fame is where like you're at the venue of the show you're playing and in that aspect it's like yeah if i'm at the venue and my band is playing like yeah if i'm walking around people are going to recognize me like that's just a given because people are coming to see the bands on it but like at least i could always finish the show and then just like leave the venue and go to the nearest truck stop and just chill yeah you know come out of my hoodie whatever and just be in the store now if you're someone like britney spears like you definitely couldn't do that so like I can't even imagine how crazy that must be. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's def- and that's also where she went on the, like, rampage, as people say. Like, she was getting gas for her car, and they would not leave her alone. Yeah. You know, and um, they even interviewed in the documentary one of the paparazzi, and he's like, uh, you know, if she would have just said that she wants to be left alone, like, you know, for good, we we wouldn't do this type of thing. And they're like, well, didn't she say to you, leave me alone? And the paparazzi goes, yeah, but I took that as like, leave me alone right now, not leave me alone forever. And it's mm. like, <laughs> you know, so I, I don't think I would ever want, especially in today's world, I would never want to be that level of fame. I would honestly much rather, you know, be able to live like a comfortable lifestyle, you know, monetarily Same. and be pretty low profile. I agree. So. That's that's exactly where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. That's when she told me about that whole situation with Britney Spears. I just sat there and thought about it for a bit. And I'm just like, dude, that would be insane. Just like no peace, you know, and at, anywhere you go, people know who you are. And that has to be just so overwhelming. So, you know what I wanted to talk about when you're we saying the show's coming back stuff? Another obstacle that I think some people have, I mean, they should see if they're in their own local communities, but like, venues you've played a lot of them are shutting down yeah like here in the city there used to be a ton of new york city venues like there's no more roseland hasn't been for a while they just recently pre-pandemic shut shut down a uh, playstation theater which has had like a million different names and then Best like Buy, nokia yeah 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 and then by me uh i'm pretty sure you've played there before like revolution and amityville oh, yeah all revolution closed huh yeah so like all these so venues sad. and i've heard uh Eddie Trunk say it on his radio show, and to me it makes sense. I, I think once these venues open up, in order for them to stay open, the ones who actually survive this, he's like, the bigger bands, like the Aerosmiths, Metallica, Slipknot, they should, you know, if they can, play some local venues where it's like $2,000 a seat, because he's like, people will pay it to see Slipknot in a venue like the size of Amityville Music Hall or something, right? People oh, would yeah. pay that. That would be and wild. Give that money to the venue to stay open. There's got to be some coming together. I know there's been some on some level, but it's kind of on the bands that are that are huge, the Metallica yep. of the world, to do something because they have the money to do it. I agree. Yeah, I mean, something has to be done, dude. I mean, God, dude, this this virus just put a halt on everything. And it, it would be nice to see some bigger artists, bigger, uh, bigger bands do something like that because, like, yeah. Venues are fucked, man. It's really, I mean, especially Revolution. You said that, and I'm like, I'm thinking of how many times we played that venue. And, I mean, just that area, like, this, you know, because a lot of small venues got screwed through this whole thing. And it makes me think of when we were playing those shows and when they gave us a chance and stuff. So, it's just, it's just sad to see it, man. I hope something does happen about that because every everyone's taking a hit, you know? They really are, yeah. I, I'm, I, You know, it's funny because I'm doing well throughout all this. The podcast is doing well, but I also see what's going on culturally through other you know other people monetarily um 
you know, and it's not good. But uh, it's not. What, what have you been doing the past year then? Like, if you know, I know you're, you said you've been working on some music for Siler yeah. that hasn't been released, but like, what's your life been like? Because I haven't talked uh, to you at all. Well, dude, cr- luckily enough, um, before this whole thing happened, I mean, I've always been into music. I've, uh, I mean, it started with like me playing bass and a church when I was younger. And I then, never like, knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go to, that's actually where I really decided to like take music seriously. I did not even, that's where it started. I mean, I've always loved music, always. Always loved it. I was always passionate about it. If there was a song I really liked, I would play it 30 times in one day, maybe 50, honestly. And um, it wasn't until I went to, a, I started attending a Christian church with my family for a couple of years that I got to sit like right in front of a band playing live and dude i was blown away by it you know like actually seeing people jamming their instruments and feeling the energy and i'm just like holy shit like i want to do this and uh yeah long story short i started in church i picked up a bass kind of learned how to play i was really shitty at it but i you know <laughs> i picked it up they gave me a chance i played in the band for a while then uh uh, through high school, I was able to join the guitar class and kind of learn things and play the concerts over there and stuff. And, you know, just gradually kept growing into something else until I joined the band. But um, also in the last couple of years, I got more into producing and stuff. So by the time COVID hit, I was already going full throttle at producing and songwriting and, you know, getting into all these rooms and sessions. And honestly, dude, when COVID, so maybe uh, I would say two to three weeks before COVID really hit in America, I was in Japan. So a year ago right now, I was in Japan and I was out there uh, doing some production work with an artist. And um, it was crazy how it all worked out because I got home and maybe a week into me being home, all of this shit hit. And um, I honestly, I mean, some people thought I was ballsy for it, but while everyone was scared to travel and like do anything, dude, I was traveling a lot, like throughout the entire pandemic. Like, Did you ever get COVID? Okay, so I actually <laughs> think I had COVID while I was in Japan. This has happened to so many people. I, like, I think dude, I got it. Yeah. I seriously think I had <laughs> it while I was in Japan. And I think I caught it on my flight from this kid from Toronto. Uh, <laughs> you know specifically. Dude, I think so. Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you why I think specifically. I know this is like kind of going off. No, it's cool. Path, That's what but, we do uh, here. But yeah, uh, so I love Japan. I mean, I've, I my first time there was in 2017 to shoot a music video. And I've been there six times since, whether it's been with the band or by myself. Which I, video is it for the audience? Uh, Soul Addiction, a okay. video for Soul Addiction, which was really cool too. Uh, to jump into that real quick, I always wanted to go to Japan. Grew up loving, you know, a lot of things from the Japanese culture, yeah. video games. Um, later on in life, I got into anime and all of that. And um, uh, my friend Josiah, one of my best friends, I actually just saw him get married right before COVID hit. Um, he dude he's the fucking man he's, he's awesome with his camera and all of that and uh, we were trying to shoot a video for soul addiction and our record label reached out to him to see if he could like pitch in a treatment for the video so mind you i've never been to japan that's been like when people would ask me what was the country i wanted to go to the most and play it was japan yeah so i've never been to japan and he calls me i think it was probably like a thursday friday night and he's like Dude, hear me out. You might think this is crazy, but hear me out. I'm like, all right, what's up? He's like, dude, I don't care about money. He uh, he's a videographer for Sean Mendes, so like, oh, wow. he's always busy. You know, always like in touch with what's going on. He's like, dude, fuck the money. I don't care about making money for this video. What if we just use the budget we have and we buy flights to Japan and we just shoot the video out in the streets of Japan? And I'm just like, dude, are you kidding me? Of course, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was not gonna say no to that. So like. 
you know, I go from never going to Japan or ever, you know, even having talks of going there yet to him calling me on a Thursday, Friday night to Monday morning, being on a flight to Tokyo to shoot this video, so like cool. literally within three days. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's how that video happened. Soul addiction. But uh, ever since I went there, I knew I was going to fall in love. I did. I kind of promised myself that I would go there at least once a year. So I've gone there. I've gone there with a band a bunch and then I've gone there by myself as well. So last year, uh, I took a flight there by myself to work with this artist and also kind of give myself like a little mini vacation in between. And uh, yeah, I jumped on the flight and I'm sitting on this row and then these three young kids, probably around my age or a little younger, they hop on the plane and, you know, they're just very talkative and we start we start chatting. They're from Toronto. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, dude, like I, I know a really good friend of mine who owns a club in Tokyo, my friend Taka, shout out to him. Uh, he always takes care of us when we go there. And I was like, dude, it would be dope if you guys come to the club on Saturday. And it was like, all right, cool. Long story short, got their number. They showed up to the club, partied. About two days after, he hits me up on Instagram. And he's just like, dude, I'm really scared. I was at the hospital last night in Tokyo. Ooh. He was like, uh, the dude from Toronto. He's like, uh, you know, I was at the hospital last night in Tokyo. I was having these crazy heart palpitations. And, you know, it's scary. I could see my heart through my chest. And I'm just like, dude, that's, I mean, I've never, ha- I've never had any problem like that. I'm just like, dude, that's crazy. Man, I kid you not, a day after, I start getting the same exact thing. Like, I, I even have videos of, like, my pulse just going crazy. Like, and you said this is January? This is February. So it's got to be weird because no one's even talking about anything like this. Right. In Asia, I mean, you know, started in China. So, like, COVID's yeah. already being, like, COVID's already You're not allowed to say that, there. though, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, so once he told me the hard thing, I was like, oh, shit. So once it happened to me, I was just like, holy shit, what the hell is going on? But I never thought it was COVID. And I had a bunch of other symptoms too. But honestly, I just kind of partied through it. Like every <laughs> night I was going out, drinking, partying. I had no idea. Like, you know, even when I got back from Japan for probably a month or a month and a half, my heart was still a little weird. And it wasn't until later on that, uh, you know, on the news and whatever articles were being released, they were talking about how like heart palpitations were a big symptom of COVID. So... Even though I don't have a positive test telling me I had it, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like I do, especially also because I've traveled so much throughout this whole year to work and stuff, and I've been healthy the entire time, blessed for sure. sure. So I do feel like I had it, and maybe I just have the antibodies now, and I'm all, I, I don't it know. It sounds like it's, it. It yeah. sounds like it, yeah. So I do believe I had it at that point. All right, so getting back on track here, because I try to do my best job with this, <laughs> uh, you were saying, so you went to Japan to start like producing new artists, and, yeah. and that was like the new wave of what you were doing. Yeah, so I was already doing that. I was like, uh, you know, producing artists, uh, getting into songwriting more, and making beats for people and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, I went to Japan and did that. And then I got back and a, f- a band from Nashville, a band called Savage After Midnight, I was supposed to be there in April uh, doing a record with them. And then I think it was like March 21st, March 22nd. Um, I think it was a week after everything had just shut down. We were in state of emergency and all of that. And um, the singer of that band, my boy Shy, one of my best friends, he calls me. He's just like, dude, I hear the National Guard and, like, the whole country is about to shut down all the borders and, like, you're not going to be able to travel and, like, you're supposed to be here April 6th. He's just like, what how, What about if we say fuck it and you just, like, travel here on Monday and let's just, like, quarantine here and do the record? And I was just like, all right. And I hopped on the flight with my friend Andrew because we were co-producing the record together and we went there. And, I mean, that just kind of started a thing for me because – 
since so many people were scared to like travel and do things, I was just, I mean, I was scared too, but I was trying to be as careful as I could, but I saw it again. It's an opportunity. It's like, and flights were also ridiculously so cheap. cheap, dude. Yeah. So like they all still these kind of are, yeah, they, oh, they very much so are. So I don't know. I saw just a lot of producers just, uh, you know, kind of staying put and doing things. And I'm just like, I feel like this is a good chance for me to like put myself out there. And I mean, it's it's been a crazy year for the band and it's put a halt on a lot of our things. But personally, it's been a great year for me. I've gotten so much work and I got to grow so much as a producer, songwriter. And I mean, just in this year alone, I got a lot of cool names and cool people I worked with under my belt. So that worked out great for me. So that's kind of like, that's kind of what I've been doing a lot, just producing and songwriting and staying on top of it on top of the band of course and uh that's awesome is yeah there, is there any like artists people should check out that you produced for because i haven't even heard yeah yeah, yeah. so i worked with uh savage after midnight i also worked with sleeping with sirens this summer okay I uh know them. i also worked with this artist uh his name is jelly roll yeah He's, i uh, know the rapper jelly yeah roll. the rapper yeah. jelly roll from nashville i uh i did some songwriting one of his songs i uh i landed a beat for one of his songs he has coming out later on this year so dope yeah, yeah, and and also working with like smaller artists here in New York that I'm trying to develop, and on top of producing too, I'm also getting my hands in like the business side of the music industry too. I'm like working for a law firm, entertainment law firm too on the side, wow. email wise and stuff. So yeah, man, just keeping myself busy. Um, it all always comes down to music, just different branches of it, you know. Hey, hope you guys are enjoying this interview with Jade and Panessa. We get into all different types of things, and interestingly enough. We get into mental health a little this episode. So this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I've had this happen in my life, and we kind of talk about it on the show. I mean, I, I'm, I could probably throw you in here because even though, um, you know, this is a sponsor of the show, I know, like, mental health is important to you. The The biggest tweet you ever had was regarding mental health. So, yeah. You know, I think with BetterHelp, people getting uh, getting that help they need from licensed therapists online is it's a pretty powerful tool to have and, and will probably help a lot of people out. Yeah, talking to someone about those things is always important. I kind of always had the approach of keeping it to myself, and I've learned with time that you're always better off seeking help from someone and kind of just putting those things out there so you can kind of figure out how to deal with them. Yeah, for absolutely. That's really where BetterHelp comes in. They will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. I can tell you therapy in my own life has helped me out with all different sorts of things in addition to you know, better eating, diet, exercise, all that stuff. But it, it is just one tool in your arsenal. And this is a great way to, to make that happen. So visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily. For example, um, one I have here is Marcel is an excellent listener. And I'm mostly impressed with how much he remembers from each each session. I feel like 
like he genuinely cares and helps me come up with strategies that work for me, I would recommend him to any of my friends. Or so far, I've had two sessions with Rebecca, and she's been a tremendous help to me in finding solutions and working towards personal goals. Rebecca has a very relaxed demeanor and is an excellent listener, and I felt she was able to quickly establish a good rapport with me. So those are just two uh, two reviews that are right there on the site. Um, if you want to check out BetterHelp, if there's something that you're either struggling with or just need a second opinion with, it really is going to help you out. So visit battlelinepodcast.com slash BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P. I know a lot of people sometimes think Better Health. It's Better Help. So Better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Once again, guys, that's battlelinepodcast.com slash BetterHelp. I'll have the link right here in description. With that, we're going to get right back into this interview with my friend Jaden Panesso from the band Siler. So this makes me worry about one thing, though, because just thinking about it, if this becomes ultra successful, which it sounds like it's going to, I don't know. Is there is there a chance you're going to be like, this is what I'm doing now, and Siler takes a back seat because it's been a year of like no music from you guys uh, or more? All right, man. So I'll be honest. I don't really talk about this publicly, but um, you are now. <laughs> yeah, but I am now. But um, well, basically with this situation, I I honestly did that this year. Yeah, I got so caught up just like in my own personal success and you know my personal goals and, and endeavors. And, and, and could I just say I get it because when you work in a team environment like that, personalities clash. Even if you love the people that you work with, it's just tough, especially with you guys. Like being on a bus for days on end. For years on end that you've done it, yeah, I could understand you being like, let me retreat to my own thing for a yeah. bit. So that's – honestly, that's what I did, man. I kind of took a backseat with Siler and I just uh, focused a lot on myself and what I had to do. And it wasn't until recently that I was just kind of like – I mean, some someone even from the band came up to me and was just like, dude, like, do you even still want to do this at all? Like, we don't see any hunger from you or, or any of that for the band and – I think I, you know, sometimes you just need someone to push your buttons a little bit and like put you up against the wall and like really put you in the spot. And that's what happened to me recently. And that's when I really sat down and thought about it. I'm just like, I wouldn't be doing any of these things I'm doing now if it wasn't for Siler. Like that's what, that's what got me here in the first place. And whether it's producing music business and all of that, like I'm an artist first and foremost, you know what I mean? So like I, I already went through that motion that you just asked about where I put Siler on the back burner and just focused on my own stuff. And I can comfortably say, I don't want to do that. Like I definitely want to push Siler in front of everything and really focus on it more than anything, especially since we have some downtime now and we're not playing shows. So the main focus, the main focus to answer your question is Siler. You know what I mean? Regardless, regardless of the success with production and all of that, I, I, I do strongly believe that luckily, you know, with producing nowadays, you can, have a studio and a fucking bathroom if you wanted to. All you need yeah. is your laptop and your headphones and if you're recording someone, a microphone essentially, you know, so. I No, I do all my voiceover from home and I, you know, my mic is like, I think it's less than $200 mic. I just have a computer. I don't have any really special equipment. You would never know. It right. sounds like I'm in a studio. Yeah, so that's, what, so where I'm getting at is that um, I do strongly believe that I can do the band and if I'm really committed to also doing the things I've been pursuing, I could, find a way to level all those things out and be able to push them all forward. That's where my head is at right now, at least. Yo, so for for the audience that doesn't know this and, like, is unfamiliar with the band's success and all that, I should get into some of that. 
it it had to be crazy going from like the festivals that you've played with bands that that were your heroes, like getting a song played on the NFL, getting songs played on Sirius XM. There was definitely a period there where you guys were truly blowing up. Yeah. That had to be unreal. I mean, it's crazy because like when you're blowing up and things are when things that crazy of that caliber are happening, you almost don't feel it. Like, I mean, I did feel it at the moment, but they're, they're way crazier after like right now we're not doing much. And like, there's no shows. There's no anything time to reflect on it. Yeah. We're reflecting. I was just with Miguel yesterday, our guitarist. And we were talking about all those things and like the way things happened. And like, you know, because we, we did our first record to him and make concern that was in, we released it in 2014 and then we went out to do another record with our producer, Eric Ron, in California, and our record titled Help. And, I mean, when I went there, I was going through a lot of crazy personal shit. And I just remember I went there, and we just we just wrote a record. Like, we didn't – I never went into the studio like, hey, this is a radio track or like, hey, this is a whatever. We just wrote a record. And then um, next thing I know, like, our first track, Assume, is like on Sirius XM on, uh, on Octane and – it goes on and that was already crazy. It was on the test drive that Friday. And then that Friday we won the contest to get on the full rotation. And I'm like, oh shit, sick. We got on full rotation. We land number one that week. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'll never forget. I got off stage and I just look at my phone and it's like text from like our team. Like, yo, number one, number one. I'm like, what the fuck? Number one. That's fucking bizarre. And then, and then week number two, again, number one. And we're watching all these things happen. And then we landed like, I think we landed, we landed three tracks from that album on the radio. And that was just nuts because I mean, like, you remember, you saw us play like, yeah, in Jersey at that, at, at that <laughs> small spot. And like, um, I can comfortably say I had a lot of goals when I started the band, but being on the radio was not one of them. That was just almost like, not that I didn't believe in ourselves, but it almost felt like out of reach. We were making like heavy screamo music. Yeah, I like I mean, the bands that we talked about that you came up with. I mean, they did, I guess, a little later on. But Amir never had a, a song that was on rotation on Sirius. They're just not that type of band that you think of that, right? Yeah. So that was my thing. I was just like, dude, this is uh, this is pretty fucking crazy. So like, we had we had a certain set of goals at the beginning, but we exceeded every single one of those goals and beyond. So seeing ourselves on the radio, we were like, oh, shit, that's nuts. So when we went in to do the second album, now we have a different concentration. We're like, holy shit, we're actually like doing well on the radio. We're getting all these new fans. And then, dude, it's crazy. I'll never forget, before we went to do our full, uh, uh, our third album, Seasons, we had a weekend session with Eric Ron where a couple of our guys, we flew over to California to write some uh, to write some tracks before going there to write the full album. And uh, that weekend, we wrote the song All or Nothing. And I'll just never forget, we're writing the song and we're sitting there and I'm like, yo, this is a football song. I'm like, dude, this is, this is a straight up ESPN song. It would be wild if we could somehow land this shit on the NFL. You fast forward six months later, dude, like we we're about to release the album and uh, we just started our, our tour uh, at that time. And I get a phone call from our manager like on a Monday, literally Monday at like noon. And he's like, dude, dude, we just we just basically got the offer to like be on Monday Night Football for the rest of the year. Like, are you guys down? Blah, blah, blah. Like, we need to like say yes now. The day of. How does um, this happen? Uh, it, it happened through our label. They pitched it, and the song worked out. Did they pitch it because you came up with the idea? I'm, I'm 
Honestly, that's a good question. I'm, I'm going to say yeah. Okay. Because like I was very passionate about it. I was just like, dude, this is this is a straight up like every time I heard that song, like I could picture it even either in a like on sports or like a movie about sports and like the that big scene where like the climax happens and like the football team has to beat like the underdog has to come up and like beat someone. So like I I, I always picture that in my head. Yeah, you know what I've been thinking of? Um, because I feel like it's been featured in a million different things and it's the same the same attitude of a song is uh, that Mike Shinoda Fort Minor song. Uh. Uh, what what is it called again? The first song. Uh, it's it's the one that. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, it's that something about percent. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, I just I had the name in my head, and now I'm not think. I'm uh, trying to think. Remember the name. Remember the name. Is that what it is? Yeah, because remember, and a hundred reasons to remember the name. Oh yeah okay, yeah, okay. So that, but like, it's that type of song. I agree. I agree. So that's what was wild, dude. We we got that call, and we were like, okay, cool, and it still didn't feel real. It didn't feel real until like it actually played. I wasn't even watching the game because we, we we just didn't know when it would happen. And I mean, like, yeah, it was there for the full season, but man, when it really hit the first <laughs> time, dude, it was just like wild, dude. Because I, I just remember it played, and then our phones, our socials, every people are calling us, like everything's just blowing up. People were like, "Dude, you're on TV! Like your song is on fucking ESPN Monday Night Football," and. That shit is crazy, dude. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, every, every time it would play on like a Monday night, it was just wild. And now that's one of that will forever be a massive accomplishment for me because I don't know, dude. We were just a fucking bunch of kids with no money from New York City with like a big ass dream in a big ass city where people have massive dreams, and we started out from literally nothing to doing stuff like that, and that's just crazy it's it's insane you know and like that same song has done a lot of cool things for us i mean it's gotten like tv shows on mtv and i mean we've gotten like huge people hitting us up about it and it's just crazy dude it's it's wild but as crazy as it feels while you're living it it does feel a lot crazier when you reflect back on it like right now like yesterday like i told you (laughs) we were talking about it we're like dude that's crazy like we actually got to do those things you know even doing things like warp tour that was always like my biggest uh one of my biggest dreams and aspirations was just like, dude, I need to play the Warp Tour because I grew up going to it every summer. So when we did get to play it in 2017, it was wild because we didn't just like, we didn't just get on the tour and play it. Like we, we smacked that shit out the park, dude. Like we killed that tour and like we were one of the, you know, I don't know, one of like the artists that was getting a lot of hype on that tour. Yeah. And that's just, uh, I'm just proud of it. I'm proud of my guys. I'm proud of us being so determined to like chase these dreams and just doing it even though a lot of people doubted us and like didn't fuck with what we were doing we were just like nah we believe in this shit and we kept pushing and it's just really cool to look at those things that we've done in the past couple years do do you believe in in you know like these documentaries and books like the secret and like manifesting your dreams and you know like if you imagine it it'll happen because it sounds like a lot of that is like yeah uh i do to a certain extent i don't believe you can just manifest things and just sit back and like watch them happen but i do think when you manifest and you make yourself believe it in your head that it's going to happen it makes you work harder and it makes you just push through all those boundaries and walls that are built in front of you you know so that's what i think happened to us we had such a big dream and i would watch i would watch people do the things i wanted to do and i'm just like dude get out of here i could do this so much better not trying to be cocky or anything but i just really believed in what we had we all did and i mean we put our entire lives on the line for it you know we would just jump on a vehicle and go on tour like for god knows how long any show we got in our hands we would play it and 
Yeah, I think uh, I think manifesting is a huge thing, but I do believe manifesting is big because it makes you want to work harder, and yeah. that's what happened in our situation. I don't believe you can just manifest and sit back and watch things. No, like, of course, boom, it'd, it'd you be know? crazy to think that. But and it really is all your dream, kind of originally, just as someone who got to see, like I said, your very first show, like met you prior to your very first show. Like it's crazy; it's been ten years. It's been ten years since I met you, um, but. Like the fact that the original lineup was you, Thomas, who he said, a kid named Jehu, um, and uh, I'm trying to think of the the original full lineup, uh, and then Segpaws came Segpaws later. Segpaws came later, but um, yeah, like Thomas no longer in the band, but was with you for like the long run of as yeah. the, as the band got big, but like. I guess along the way you felt like I you needed a different group of guys that were like determined. And that's the band that stuck to this. Yeah. Day. Uh, funny enough, we went on our first tour with like the other guys. Uh, I remember. Guy, yeah. I remember seeing a show of you with the other guys in the band. You played. So what was it? Um, it was that like uh, what is it again? The Masonic Temple, right? Or was it the Morgan? Was it the show with Straight from the Path? No, I think it was – you know what? I, if I remember correctly, it was My Bitter End without Tyler. It was the only time I ever saw My Bitter End without Tyler. I, and I think it was you guys and them, I think. I could be mixing up shows because over the years there's been so many yeah, shows. so long ago. But it was a Long Island show. I, and it was supposed to be the first day of that tour and the other band dropped off. There was another band on that tour and they dropped off. Oh, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Man, but – what was crazy? Do I know your history better than you? No, no, no. no. It's it just was, like it, it was a three. It was a three group tour. It was you guys. What was? Oh yeah, that's when we started playing with those guys. Yeah. So wait, do I have this right? Yes, you, you don't. Do, that's you hilarious. Do. It was, but that was like one of our first like weekend tours. But the way this whole band came together is, uh, we went on our like on like our first like uh a tour we booked amongst ourselves, like a very DIY tour. And I was going on tour. It was me, Thomas, and like the other three guys that were in the band. Well, two because we we brought in like a fill-in bassist and um dude i already knew the other guys weren't in it like even though it was just me i knew thomas and myself were fully in it and we were committed to making this happen and we were just like we had a goal and a vision the other guys just were playing too cool for school honestly and um we went on our first tour and we, were, we just weren't getting along and it just I, I it just wasn't vibing and i'll just never forget uh there was this band called Frontlines that we went on tour with and there I just go. saw their back line. There are two guitarists and their bassists, and I'm just like, damn, these dudes got it. Like they got the look. They seem committed. And um one of them pulled me, pulled me, we we both stopped at like a sheet in Virginia or something. And one of them, one of the guys pulled me aside, Dustin actually. And he pulled me aside and he's just like, because they had like a feeling vocalist at the, at the time in their band. He's just like, dude, uh, you should leave Siler and like come join Frontlines and like. Were they bigger vocalist. at the time? I think we were both kind of like on the same like level you can say or maybe they were no they definitely had a little bit more hype than we did but i think in the long run the potential that we had and like the things we had planned out were like a little brighter but um they asked he asked me out on the side and i was just like nah how about the three of you come join the band and then we both <laughs> went into our vans and we went on to the show and then i just uh that just sat in my head the whole the whole ride and i'm just like fuck this so when we got to the venue i pulled i pulled him aside and i was just like yo this is the dream. This is what's going on. I had already, I had already been working for a year at the time. I'm like, yo, I have some connections. Like I'm, I'm in, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm willing to use all of this to like make the band pop. And, you know, after that conversation, they were like, all right, we're down. So we went on for the rest of that tour for like another week, knowing that they were about to join my band and like everyone else was kind of getting 
kicked out, I guess, in a sense. And we didn't even last the whole tour, dude. By the last show of that tour, uh, funny enough, we like we didn't even finish. There was one show left that I think got canceled, but we stopped at a gas station. The new guys from the band came into our van. The our guys went into their van. They all went their own separate ways, and then we headed to Ohio to record with Caleb Shomo, and that's when we did our first EP, and that's when things took off. And well, really, there was a there's like an EP before the EP. Yes, more, but more or less a demo, but yeah, a demo, yeah, which was where exposure came from. Yeah. but to me, that beat is really the first EP because that's when like we were really a full like when we did exposure and uh, cutting the ties and all that. It was which I still like, love. I still thank love you. those I, songs, dude. I, I can't even tell you the last time I listened to one of those songs. But, <laughs> I um, love the old stuff. Thank I really you, man. Do. Thank you. And I'm not, and it's not like a cynical like, oh, your old stuff is better. But I love the old. I do. I love like the early two EPs. Really, thank you, man. Thank you. But um. Yeah, dude, it was just one of those things that when we met those guys, it was just like, nah, this this lineup works. And I could tell they wanted it just as bad as we did. And when you have a group of people that want it, that are willing to hop in the van and travel the country with no fucking money and like eat fast food or not eat that night to chase your dream, then you go with it. And that's what we did, man. It was fucking – it was rough. But we, uh, we kept going with it and that's how we ended up doing the things that we did. But – it definitely took a, at the beginning. It was just a little wobbly because of the guys that were in it with us. It was just kind of like poison for Thomas and I, and we just needed people that were like just as committed and saw the vision like we did. And that's how it worked out. It was crazy. So I never asked you this, and I actually haven't even seen him. And probably the, actually the la- I I have a good memory with this type of stuff. The last time I saw Thomas, I believe, was when you guys played another venue that's no longer around, Santos Party House with doomsday morning so this is a long time ago it's probably yeah, the last time yeah so there you go that's the last <laughs> time i saw thomas i've talked to him since but i've never like seen him in person since always super cool guy man I- i've always liked that guy so but what was it like when he said hey i'm leaving because you were the two people who came up with everything from the very beginning it was yeah your, um at this point you're the only original guy left but it was you and him yeah uh it's honestly one of the hardest phone calls i've ever made in my life uh, i'll never forget where i was i was just a mess because that's like that's still one of my best friends i mean it's weird because like he's no longer in the band but he'll forever be in siler does that make any sense yeah like yeah. even till this day like you know even when i have an idea about a song or, or merch or something like i call him and we talk about it or he'll like think of an idea and call us and he'll forever be part of this movement forever. and he's still working in the music business if i remember correctly yeah yeah yeah. i mean crazy enough he like wasn't in our band and next thing i know he's like working for lil wayne as his personal yeah. assistant and stuff so <laughs> it was just like he's with young money crazy crazy shit but, so wait, um, what ha- what happened exactly because i don't even know i know that he you know had some some issues that he talked about publicly i believe did he? I remember a post of some sort, you know, but I don't know. You you can reveal whatever you want. I mean, this is your uh, thing, but as far as like, what are you saying? As far as the band, yeah, of why I don't know that either he left or I, I don't know exactly. Yeah, it was down, just kind of so. it was just kind of a mutual decision. It, it just wasn't working out. His head wasn't in the game like we were. He was going through a lot of personal things, and uh, I think he needed to. I think we needed to like cut ties there for. Not just for the well-being of the band, but for for his own well-being. You know, I think he needed a break and kind of needed to just go figure out what he wanted to do with himself. And I'm happy, bro, because if we made that decision and he didn't do something good for himself, that would have sucked. But 
he did it. He uh, he went through a rough patch, and the next thing I know, he's working for Shady Records, and then uh, a year after that, he moves to L.A., and then next thing I know, he's working for Lil Wayne, so I think he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. Um, so I'm just glad things turned out all right with him. But like I said, man, he'll forever be part of the movement, forever, forever, forever. You know, like that's one of my best friends still, and we still talk all the time. So things turned out. I think I, – I, I think – even with things happening the way they did, it was the best thing that could have happened for the whole situation. Yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously a, a super determined guy to, to just make something happen for yeah. himself. Um, yeah. I, I would love to talk to him again because he was always like every time I talked to him. And, and for the audience, um, he was the drummer in the band yeah. and then was replaced by Cody. Cody. How, how did you find him? How did that come uh, about? So, Cody, oh, man, Cody, I'll, I'll say hands down, like he is one of the best drummers in the rock scene i don't care what anybody says like uh that kid is just a monster and so the way we, the way we met cody is when we first started touring like as a new group we had just gotten oh we were just about to get signed but we were like doing i guess more real tours you can say and um he was filling in for a band on that tour he was he was big into like being a, he had his own band back home in kentucky but he was like a big fill-in drummer because he was so good if someone needed a band they knew they could call him yeah and um i just remember i met him on that tour thomas was still in the band and uh i just saw him playing and i'm like holy shit this kid is crazy like honestly i didn't even like the band uh he was playing for in that tour like i didn't like their music at all but like i would go watch their set every night just to watch him drum and that comes from someone who's not a drummer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just thought he was so good. So we just, you know, we became friends. He was a big fan of Siler, a supporter, and just a good kid overall. And we just stayed in contact throughout the year. So when this whole thing with Thomas came about, uh, we first had him come in and fill in. I gave him a call literally, like, I think on a Wednesday. And I was like, dude, we need you for this tour starting next week. Like, can you make it happen? He dropped everything in his life. And he just came and met us on the East Coast from Kentucky and went out on tour with us. And... His dedication is crazy. He's such a bright light to the band. We're all we're all a bunch of like East Coast grumps, and he's like the kid <laughs> from Kentucky with a big smile on at all times. And, and yeah, not only not only is he like a great kid, but he's amazing. He's so talented. I can't tell you how many times we've played like the big boy festivals and shit, and like you can see older drummers or like you know legacy drummers come out just to see him play. You know, they might not even like my band, but they come see Cody play and he's just, he's awesome. He's, he's, he's been a great, great addition to the band. So with all you guys in all different locations, when's the last time you've been in a room together, like collaborating? Um, so Miguel and myself are here in New York, Travis and Dustin are in Pennsylvania and then Cody's in Kentucky. Yeah. So that's uh, hard. Yeah. So it's hard. <laughs> I mean, Miguel and I have been like writing this whole week. We've been working on new solid music together. I mean, you, and here's the thing you, te you technically can do everything over computer now. And you, yeah, you, you can. can. It's not the years. same. Exactly. It sucks, but like you got to make it work. So like, it's funny, man. Literally yesterday, like Miguel and I are just like writing music and putting stuff together and producing it and whatnot. And like, we're literally calling Cody like, dude, what kind of drums should we have here? Like, how do we set this up to the point where I asked him at one point, like, all right, send me a video of you mouthing the drums so I could then graph <laughs> him out on the program and like make it work. But like, whatever, man, we're making it work somehow. So it's been a while. I think the last time we were all in a room together was in August and actually not all of us because Miguel was in there. So at least most of us were together in August uh, and somewhere in Nashville, but all five of us together, dude, it's been like a year. Wow. Since COVID hit. I'm sure you're going to cherish it when you get back together. I and get mean, to do dude, this. 
I chair. I mean, like, I, it's funny we're talking about this here because, like, I just had this conversation with Miguel yesterday, and then we're just like, <laughs> shit, man. There was so many times where we would take things for granted, you know, even though we worked so hard for it. Now that we were like ungrateful or anything, but like, you know, sometimes we would, we would just wake up like moody and be like, fuck, man, I can't wait to go home and sit on my couch and like my dogs, blah, 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 blah. But now we're sitting here, like, fuck, dude, we would do anything to just like wake up together somewhere, like at a random truck stop or in the middle of fucking <laughs> nowhere, like, no, we're going to go play a show and hang out with people and like, and, you know, besides just the band, dude, we made so many cool ass fucking friends like along the way, you know, going on tour and like, it's weird when you're in a band and you travel like 80% of the year because you end up, unfortunately, kind of forsaking your friends back home. You don't you don't have the time anymore to hang out with your friends. No, it's true. That's why I haven't seen you. I don't ever take it as anything personal. But people do. Yeah, people do. I've had I've I've had some instances with friends that are just like you know they kind of call me out on it, and to me that shit sucked because like I even got called a rock star a couple times. But it's just like you know there was a time where like I was traveling a lot, and when I did come home, like you have a daughter, yeah, you know a daughter. I had dogs. This the whole thing so it's just like dude i gotta come home and like handle my personal life things first then i can come party with you guys but some people didn't like that and you know how people are right away the comment came out like oh you're a rock star now you don't remember about people blah 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 blah. so it's tough in that sense but it's also tough man because like i've made some amazing friends like you'll be home and you'll hang out with friends and maybe you'll see them twice a week or i don't know maybe more than that if you're really close or maybe once a week where You'll go on a tour and you'll be on a tour with, let's say, three to four bands. And next thing you know, you're like, you're now friends with 20 plus people and you're hanging out every night for a month and a half <laughs> to two months. And you like, you get so close to these people. You see people go through their highs and lows throughout that tour because a lot of people get homesick and go through shit. A lot of people have, you know, problems with their family. Someone got sick or their girlfriend's upset. Uh, they're not home, whatever the case might be. You end up in these situations where you get so close to these people and then you don't and then you don't know when you'll see them again. But at least when COVID wasn't around, you knew that you would go on a tour and then next thing you know, it's like, oh shit, your boys are playing down the street. Cool. After the show, let's go meet up and like have some drinks or go grab food or like there's a big festival in town. We're all playing it. Holy shit, what's up? I haven't seen you in three months, four months, whatever the case might be. Now it's like I don't see anybody. Yeah. Same so here. I spent the last ten years of my life making all these friends throughout the country, also around the world. I don't even know when I'll be able to see again. You know, it's been weird, man. I'm not trying to make like the woe is me situation. No, I, but, uh, I get it. But you know I, what I mean? It's, it's, it's just been weird because like now I'm home and yeah, I still have my friends and all of that, but I well, definitely. Have you, have you also the same thing as me where it's like you're home now, but a lot of people are leaving New York and I might even leave New York. At I mean, some point. I, I wasn't here for a while. Yeah. I, uh, I lived in Pennsylvania for over two years. I just came back this summer. Um, but even with the friends I've had here. It's just not the same. I've, I I lost, I don't know, I lost, I'm not in touch with them as much as I used to be. And and it's not because it was someone's fault. It was just, it's life, dude. You get older and people get, I mean, to me it was crazy because like there was times where we'd be waking up in the bus or the van or whatever and like it's nine in the morning and I'm waking up like, oh shit, I just partied all night and like, or someone on the bus is like, like when we toured the Tilla, we shared a bus and it's just like 9 a.m., they're crazy. So one of them would be like, you won't chug a beer right now. And it's like, all right, fuck it. I'll chug a beer. <laughs> so it's like you're chugging, you know, you're driving through the city to the venue. You're chugging a beer at 9 a.m. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're watching people in traffic and their car is going to work. You know what I mean? So like. It's unreal. It's unreal. My, <laughs> life, has, my life has been so fucking insane the past 10 years that uh, 
it's just crazy. And, you know, that's my life. And then I have my friends who have full careers, have a family, have, you know, a full salary job. So it's like, while they're busy, I'm busy. And you just kind of lose touch with people. But it's even harder when you're not home at all. At least when you're like in the same city all the time, it's just like, okay, I got out of work. Let's go grab some brews or like, let's watch the game on Sunday, blah, 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 blah. We didn't have that. So that's why I lost touch with so many people. But now that I'm back home and I've already lost touch with the people back home and then I'm not seeing my friends from tour, it's just kind of been weird. I've kind of been a lot to myself this year, which I'm okay with. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a big loner. I'm okay with being at home and like sitting on my computer making music or watching a video or reading or whatever it is. I'm okay with that. But at the same time, sometimes it just uh, – I definitely miss the networking part and being out with friends at all times. Yeah, I get it too, man, because I've always considered myself a total introvert. Um, But the thing is, so I don't know if I told you this. I mean, I've been working in radio since 2006. There was a point where the podcast I was on, um, which before like Chris and I linked up and said, let's do this. I was just interested in doing something else. I got my license to be a personal trainer. I was doing that since November. You look good, dude. Thank you, bro. But um, yeah, I I enjoyed doing it. Um, And then when actually COVID hit and the whole shutdown hit, um, I, you know, I realized I'm not as much of an introvert as I think I am. I am an introvert, you know, a lot of the day, but I also like seeing people. I also like being around like my select group of friends. So that was why right. I was able to do that again. So I know I know where you're coming from. That, yeah. You know, I, I it made me realize you kind of have to have that yin yang where you're around people. Oh, but dude, you're also balance doing your own is everything. Thing. Yeah. You got to have a balance. So <clears throat> in that sense, I try to like. I try to put myself out there and hang out with people. But, you know, I also have friends who are very you know, rightfully so paranoid about the virus and some people don't want to hang out and it's, it's just weird. But at the same time, I think it's been, um, this whole time it's been just almost like a gift for people to really figure themselves out and find new things that they had no idea they could even do. And I think that's, what's cool about the virus in a sense, not that it's cool, (laughs) but like, but that's the upside of it that like, you know, I have so many friends in my life, uh, that, discover they could do things that they had no idea they could before this because everyone's sitting at home like just thinking and trying to figure things out so i feel like in this situation it could have gone either two ways you could have either just like really sunk in like the depression or the thoughts you know going crazy in your head or you could have tried to figure out a way to like make yourself grow somehow and i feel like a lot of people took advantage of that and if you did, I think that's really awesome because like, I agree. what else can you do, you know? Yeah, no, I agree I, I fully. You know what I got to ask you about? Because I, I am, you know, shamelessly an old school juggalo. I've been to three gathering of the whoop, juggalos. Whoop. Yeah, I've I've gone to countless ICP shows and all that. What was it like touring with ICP? It was fucking insane. <laughs> so uh, ICP, man, where do I start? Uh, we got the offer for that through our boys in Attila because they were uh, – it was a hey, – They were on it. They were on it. It was like a co-headliner with them. They were like direct support. Or co- oh, they were co-headlining. But I feel and, like uh, you, can't, you can't not have ICP close out. You can't have a band go on after you just sprayed the whole crowd with Fago. Nah, they close out. They close out every night. ICP. Yeah, I was like, I assume there's yeah, no, no way they close out every yeah, night. You have to. But um, I'll be honest. When it's like Kiss. Like you can't have anyone after Kiss. It, does, it just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Absolutely not. But um, it was just it was just funny because we got the offer and um, honestly, I, I mean, I'll be honest. No disrespect to like icp or anything we were a little hesitant at first just because like you want to get labeled in, as that yeah like, gimmick yeah we yeah. don't want we don't want to be labeled we don't ever want to be labeled as anything we've always been very like open-minded and like what we want to do or how we want to be perceived so um when we got that offer we were 
we sat there and I think at first we were like, no, blah, blah, blah. And then we sat there and we're like, dude, ICP is fucking huge. Like, why are we putting ourselves in a box? Like, fuck it. Let's go try it. And it was, I mean, it's everything you think an ICP tool would be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean. the And the, even the thing with them is even if you don't like the music, I don't think anyone could go to an ICP show and not have a fun time. The show is I think is once crazy, you go there, you'll be like, all right, dude. I get it. You know? The show is insane. Like, I totally got it once um. Once I was in there, and I mean, like, their crew was fucking awesome. They were really nice guys. Um, I think, all right, so I, I spoke to Violin J twice because on that tour, they each had their own tour bus. And I would never, you would never see him throughout the day. I would literally see him, like, right before they went on stage, and they would they would go on, they would do their thing with their makeup, and then, like, they would just disappear. And I, and by the way, as a nerd of the band, as of the group, you know how I am with music. I think part of that could be. I mean, I've I've read like Violent J's book. I know a lot about the guy. Um, you know, he's had like massive anxiety during tours, and he's been very open about it. Where he's See, had like I, huge panic attacks. There's been shows where he just left. Like he was supposed to do this huge tour with Esham, I think, like three years ago. And he just canceled the tour after one show because he was like, I'm having crazy panic attacks. See, I, I, I didn't know that, but I mean, rightfully so. It, that lifestyle is crazy. The lifestyle of just like being on the road at all times, having some attention on you, the limelight, like it's very it, it's very appealing from the outside, but it could definitely be like very heavy for a lot of people. But um, yeah, dude, with them, it was crazy. They each had their own tour bus. And, oh, Violent J and Shaggy? Yeah, yeah they didn't wow, share a bus. They wow. each had their own bus. So, That's weird because the perception is that they're brothers. I'm know? sure they're. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they're sick, but like yeah. they they also have families and stuff. And like Violent J is a big family man. Yeah, he is. So, uh, you know, being the big gamer that I am, I actually not even so much the last. I haven't gamed as much as I used to. Just kind of, I just because I would kind of get home and like game a lot, and then I started. That's when I got into producing more. When I was just like, why am I coming home from tour and just like gaming? Like, why can't you know like. I need to grow somehow. So I kind of put gaming aside a little bit. But on that tour, I was gaming a lot. And I used to have this portable rig by, uh, uh, it's called the Games Vanguard, which is just like a hard shell case. And you can you can put your console in there. So I had a PlayStation in there and it has like a screen. And it was my traveling rig. So I was in a green room. It was in Pennsylvania. I was in a green room and I'm just, I'm just sitting there like playing. I'm playing. I forgot what game I was playing, but I'm playing my video games and... I just see Val and Jay come in, no makeup on. To me, it's crazy. You know what I mean? I, I can't really see I'm like a big ICP fan growing up or anything, but like. But they're iconic. But they're away. iconic. Yeah, I like, know who ICP is. Yeah. I watched wrestling. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot with them. And also, as a big Eminem fan, like, you know, like the whole, the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. So uh, he comes in and he's just like, holy shit, dude, what is that? And I'm like, oh, what's up dude i'm jada i'm in siler he's like yo what's up i heard you guys been killing on the tour blah blah blah. i'm like dude it's sick thank you and uh he just starts asking me about the case like dude where'd you get it like my kid is a big gamer i want to get one of these for him and like just sat there and spoke to him for like a while and gave him the whole spiel on the case and next thing i know he's buying one for his kid and asking me how to set it up blah, blah, blah. and i was just like damn that's crazy and then the second instance uh we were in new mexico he just kind of popped up into the green room with like the rest of the bands and he just started talking to us and it was really cool but i think with that whole tour besides the fact that juggles are crazy like wild shit goes on backstage you know what i mean like uh wild shit uh, <laughs> there was this one day oh actually it was the last show i'll never forget this because the last show of the tour was in detroit and for those who don't the last show is when 
all the fago that's remaining because I've been at shows where this has happened. They just get rid of all. So of this it, is what's so. crazy. Not only is it the last show of the tour, is the last show at the Fillmore in Detroit, their home, their home state, like their city. Yeah. So it's a hometown show for ICP, and. You know, throughout the tour, it was really cool because I've heard of instances where bands go on tour with them and they get booed and they like, oh yeah. Because if you go on tour with them and their fan base doesn't fuck with you, they will let you know that. Like, you will be very aware if they like you or not. Oh, gathering of the juggalos. I mean, you'll get stuff thrown yeah. at you. I'm sure you know about what happened to Tila Tequila. Like, she yeah, oh she yeah, yeah, got yeah. killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, throughout the whole tour, the more the time transpired, the more love we were getting from the fans. Like I'm talking about, like there was there was certain shows we would play a song and like we couldn't even we couldn't even play the next song because like the whole crowd is just going family, family. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was something so new to us, but so cool to me. To me, it was just like damn, like we're so welcoming and nice, and like people have this perception of Juggalos being like a certain thing, but they're actually really cool and committed, and like this is their whole lifestyle. So to us, we were we got really welcome to it. But then like something that was really cool. Uh, because every night before we would play, they would have like an MC go up and like kind of introduce you, like, oh, you know, Siler hailing from Queens, New York, blah, 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 blah. So at the last show in Detroit, they had like all their OGs out. You know what I mean? Because like you're at an ICP show, but when all their homies are there, like this shit feels like a straight up gang. Like they all have their chains with their yeah. hatch, you know, the whole spiel. So it was crazy because one of the older dudes, like one of their OGs came up to us. He came up to me right before we went on and he's like, yo, I heard great things of you and your band. And like, just want to let you know, we fuck with you and your forever family and we got your backs. And like, that was literally the last <laughs> like little speech we heard before going on stage. And that was really like cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that show was awesome. And then uh, that same year, we uh, we got an offer to play the, the Gathering of the Juggalos and we played it. And that shit was fucking insane, dude. I fucking, uh, I had one of the wildest nights of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done so many drugs all at once, to be honest. And it was sick. Not my style anymore. I've cleaned up my act good time. Not that it was I in never the first place. I just like to have. I just like to. I I like to have fun. I yeah. Luckily, I've never really had a problem with substances. But I've been open minded and on the road. It's just well, that's, like, that's just there's there's the people who do you know they're able to control it and there's not you know some of it could have to do with the way your brain works. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't get it. But yeah, I, yeah, you know. yeah. It was one of just. It, it was just a night where like. We, I made them, I guess some people would say mistake. Other people would say it's the right thing to do. But at the gathering, when we played on stage, I literally got on stage and I was just like, tonight we want to do all the drugs and drink all the alcohol with you guys. And, you know, the crowd freaked out. So as we're, you know, the gathering is like a big weekend camp. Yeah. People have tents and stuff and they're staying there. So that night after our set, as we're walking around the whole camp and shit, people are like, yo, Siler. Yo, come come drink a beer, come smoke this blunt, come blah 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 blah. So like, yeah, dude, that shit was fun. The craziest thing too is we had no service, so no phones, because it was in the middle of nowhere. So like, which is this, good, man. It was sick. Yeah. Because anytime I played a show or a festival, like the first thing I do when I get off stage is go on my phone, check shit out, stress or whatever. We had no service, so like there was nothing else to do but go out and be social, and have a good time. We were our plan was to leave that night around eight nine p.m. You know, drive back to New York. We ended up staying overnight. Like we literally, 
We lived the gathering at its full extent and experience, and it was fucking awesome. I would, I, if, if we got invited again, we would absolutely do it again. Yeah, if it'll ever happen again, man. If it'll ever happen like, again. Well, let's hope it does. Yeah, I, I, I do. I haven't gone in many, many years. It's been, a, it's been a long time. But yeah, that's so dope, man. It was fun, I, man. So you know what I got to ask you before we wrap things up? Because it's kind of, you know, with Chris's background, like a theme of this show. And I asked it of Josh Travis when we had him on from Amur and, you know, David Silvera from Corn. Um, since it's definitely a very like military oriented show, have you ever had guys come up to you and say like, hey, this is what I listened to when I was deployed or like, this is what I listened to when Dude, I was at war? We have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a huge military following. Huge. Uh, I think a lot of it came from us being played on the radio on Octane because I know there's like a big rotation um, with the military listening to it. And dude, it's amazing. I mean, I've I've constantly given like huge shout outs to the military, like at festivals and stuff like that. And I mean, dude, I've heard wild stories. Uh, we actually have this song called No Way on our album Seasons. And it's about a long distance relationship, like being away from the one you love and basically saying that if you can get through his distance, you can get through anything. And although we didn't get to execute this idea, my idea was for that music video, we wanted to do a music video for it. My idea was to make it all around a couple with a guy having to be deployed and having his wife back home. And we were going to do a whole thing for it. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I guess my point is, is it's something we always think about, you know, and it's, it's really awesome how much of a big following we have in, in that aspect, you know, like a lot of military dudes and it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm very happy that we can like be some sort of, uh, I don't know, like a, like an escape when these dudes listen to his music or, or the women in the military. It's, it's been awesome. We have a big following there and it's shout out to them big time. That's cool. That's cool. I guess one thing I wanted to say before I wrap things up that I was just thinking of that's cool to me is that when I met you and you were telling people about the band, everybody would go, oh, Siler, the show Heroes, which I yeah. never really watched. I'm not a big TV guy, um, but I know that's where you were inspired with the band name. And to me, it shows how big the band is now that I, honestly, I, and th- I, I think when people hear the name Siler, I think the first thing that more people would think of is your band over a show that was a hit network TV show. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. It's crazy. It, it, it just always, you know, it's funny when I, uh, when I came up with the name, well, now that I came up with the name, it was already a thing. But when I, uh, uh, when we decided to name the band Siler, I always thought of like a Treyu, how Treyu came from a movie and stuff like that. I didn't that. even know that. Yeah. See, but that was my thing. It was just like, damn, dude, I hope one day we can like, overpass that and like let us be siler instead of like a character from a show and uh yeah dude it's it's crazy because like now you can go on youtube and type out siler or like google or anything and we pop out first but like siler was just really cool i mean i know you haven't seen the show but i highly recommend it uh for anyone listening it's basically a show essentially almost like x-men where it's people with superpowers from around the world like you know your regular average joe with like superpowers and they're starting to like find out about them so there's people around the world with powers and there's this guy the main villain in the show his name is siler and his thing was his power was that he he could figure anything out so he used to work on watches and stuff because he could figure things out so he essentially figured out how to steal powers from people because he wanted to be the most big powerful 
human in the world. So he would go around stealing people's powers and just his whole thing. It was just that he wanted to be the most powerful. And he was also from Queens, New York in the show. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So to me, like all those things were just so relevant because I'm like, okay, I'm in this local scene in New York City. I want to be the best fucking band (laughs) here as it is. And this dude is from Queens, New York. The name sounds cool. Like it's a no brainer. So that's why I went with it. And I'm glad I'm I'm glad I did. I think it's I think it's a really cool name. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to see how much name with a band has grown throughout the years, you know. I agree, and that's why I thought of it, man. So um, for the audience out there, at Jaden Panesso on pretty much everything. Everything, yeah. yeah J-A-Y-D-E-N-P-A-N-E-S-S-O, at Siler NY, also on everything. Yes. There's no like current thing, I guess, you're promoting beyond that. I mean, Seasons is the latest album, but it's been yeah. out for two years at this point. Two right? years and so, change, yeah. yeah. We're not promoting any new content, but for any, any of our fans listening or any new fans – uh, just know we're working hard right now and creating the next piece of art that we want to give you guys. And that's our main focus. So just sit tight. We'll give it to you guys. Awesome. Well, for the, this has been great for the audience out there. By the time you hear this, I'll be in Florida debating if I am going to move there. I mean, I'm seeing places, so I'm, okay. I'm thinking of it. Um, but yeah, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, keep spreading the word. If you guys have any emails you want to send, it's just battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. I think we might have Tanya, Chris's wife, back um, on either the next show or – oh, no, no, not the next show, like two shows down the line. So if you want to send any questions for us, we'll try to answer them. So battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Um, and that's really it, guys. Chris will be back next episode. And keep grinding. Hopefully this inspired you in some way. Great having you on, man. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs> <laughs>